Amen. Let's pray together. Ah, Heavenly Father. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. God, I want to thank you for who you are. God, I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for your mercy. God, I want to thank you for your love. God, I want to thank you for things we sung this morning. About our, our battles belonging to you, Jesus. That our victory is found in you, Jesus. And just the weight that that takes off us as you, you just love us and are so for us. God, we just want to come into your word this morning. And we want to submit to you, our Father. We want to submit to the words that you have penned in this book, Lord. And ask Jesus that you would reveal yourself to us. You would reveal your heart to us, Jesus. And that you would continue this process of changing us into your image. And preparing us for an eternity with you in heaven. God, we need you. These are, these are unique and challenging days, Lord. And God, I personally just know of so many hard situations around me. And the people that I fellowship with. And it's just so clear how much we need you. And so, Father, we, we come before you. And, and I ask, Jesus, that you would hide not your face from us, God. That you would reveal yourself to us this morning. And that you would help me to speak your words. Not my own. And that you would receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power. Amen. Amen. Well, blessings, church. Let's get into the scriptures together. What I want to start off by doing is reading um, the portion of scripture that I'm speaking from. I'm speaking out of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 8, um, which is specifically, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Today's message is called a heart after God, as you can see up there. And so let me start by reading uh, from chapter 5, verse 2. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Man, that ends with a bang, eh? Blessed are those who get reviled and persecuted by others. I, you know, one of the things that happened when I started reading through this passage is, is like I, I was instantly... Uh, really aware of how much I don't measure up. And like this, this is, I don't know about you, but when you read this, I was like, man, I, it was pretty easy to feel pretty down about myself. And so I just started thinking about this, this, this scripture, this text, and what, what would God have us see out of this? And I want to start by saying three things that as I go throughout this morning, as we, as I, you know, pour forth what I feel God has put in my heart, I want us to keep in mind three things this morning, okay? Out of everything I say, keep these three things in mind, okay? Number one, seeing God, having a pure heart and seeing God is absolutely impossible without Him. And it's only possible through Him. Amen? 
Okay, so when we talk about being pure and holy, when I, I mean, I, I start reading this, I'm like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm not sure if that's a, you would, most people would say that about me. Blessed are the meek. I don't know how meek I am. Pure in heart, I, I find myself to be a little bit non-pure uh, a lot of the time. I'm not sure about you. Blessed are those who are pe- persecuted. Uh, I'm not sure I fall into that. I don't know if I rejoice and I'm glad in my persecution. And I, I go, I don't know if I, I ever see God. According to these, these perfect discipleship markers, I don't know if I'd ever see God. Can I just start by saying that this is only possible through him? Luke 18, 27, Jesus is talking about this. He's talking about salvation. He says, you know, what's impossible with man is possible with God. So we need to start by understanding that being pure of heart, being meek, uh, hunger and thirsting for righteousness is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ's work on the cross in and through us. Amen? Amen? That's the only way it's going to happen. If you want to use your own strength, pure of heart is out of reach. And thus, I think seeing God is out of reach. Church, it's only possible through him. Number two, we need to remember that it's all about him. Okay? This is for him. It's from him. And we give it back to him. Everything I'm going to say this morning, I want you to keep in mind, it's impossible without him. It's possible through him. Number two, it's only all about him. And number three, it is so that others will see him. It's not for our own glory. We can't do it without him. It's all about him so that others will see him. Those three things I want you to keep in mind. So let's begin with the mission. Right? There's an action being pure in heart, right? There's an, there's an action and then so then there's an outcome to the action. And we're going to start at the goodness. You know, let's just say, what is it to see God? Because I don't know about you guys, but I desperately want to see God. I'm in a place where I want to see God. Is there anyone else here that wants to see God? Okay. Okay. So the limited amount of people that it takes to run an online service all want to see God. I don't know about you. You can raise your hands with me. I want to see God. I have, we have some really close friends we really love. And they texted us January 1st-ish around there. And they're like, Greg, so what's God saying to you for 2021? And I was like, oh, I don't know. If I'm really honest, I don't know how much I thought specifically of that. But he had laid a scripture on my heart. Matthew 5 verse 8. I want to see God. So I responded, I want to see God in 2021. And this is what I felt the Lord say to me. You only want to see me in 2021? Like this is a seasonal thing for you? And I was like, oh man. No, this isn't a seasonal thing. I want to start by saying seeing God is a life thing. That we were called to see God as believers, as his sons and daughters. This isn't a seasonal thing. This is a life thing. Seeing God is a life thing. It's more than seasonal. And so let's go through here. I want to suggest three things. That seeing God is three things. The first one, you hear me say this in every message. You could probably guess what it's going to be. I always preach this. It has to be in every message. That seeing God is the glory of the gospel. His grace and forgiveness. Okay? Someone who's, impure, someone who's pure of heart is going to see God in his glorious gospel. You're going to walk in his grace and forgiveness. Let me just read these scriptures that are so familiar to us. 
But Romans 5, 8, God shows us his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, 1, there, there is therefore now no, sorry, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Church, you have been forgiven. And this isn't just a one-time forgiven. This is an ongoing forgiveness that we get to walk in. This is a big thing for me. I, I wanted my kids to grasp exactly what Christ did for for us, so I made them watch The Passion of the Christ. Okay, sorry, that was my own choice. What, what, you know, I'm not sure what you think about that. But this is the thing. I wanted them to get a good picture of what it meant for Christ to say yes to the Father and forgive me of my trespasses and my sins. Because this is a big deal. This is the absolute glory of God. And it's this ongoing forgiveness, isn't it, church? This ongoing forgiveness. And I don't know, you know, some people have told me, Greg, once... Christ died for, you know, for your sins, went for, you're gone. You're not a sinner anymore. And that's hard for me to, to, to sit there and, and live in because I know I still sin. But we read scriptures like 1 John 1, 9 that says if we're faithful and just to confess our Sorry, if we confess our sins one to another, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So yes, we're justified in Christ. But there's this ongoing sanctification process of becoming and being renewed to be like Christ, to reign with him forever. And we get to see this glory as his sons and daughters of God ongoing all the time. His grace. What about his grace? John 1, 16, I love this verse. Grace upon grace. Don't you love it when someone blesses you with something? And you're like, hey, thank you. And they're like, here, have some more. Like, just have some more. For me, it's like tapioca pudding, you know? It's just like, you just give me tapioca pudding, and then if you offer me second helping, that's like grace upon grace for me. That's just like, you're just heaping it on me. Church, seeing God, the glory of the gospel and his forgiveness and his grace, it is ongoing. It is there for you. This is one of the ways we see God. Number two way we see God is we get, we get to be admitted into his presence. That's phenomenal when you think of this process from Genesis. And, you know, I talked about this again, too. There's certain themes in my preaching, right? That, you know, we, you know, only Moses could go, only the priest. But then Jesus comes and he leaves us his Holy Spirit. We get admitted. That veil is torn. We get to be, have personal lives with Jesus where we get to actually commune with him. Amen? You know, if you called the doctor, right? You, you book a doctor. Hey, I'd like to see Dr. Kaitler. He retired. That's too bad. I'd like to see Dr. Kaitler. I don't go into his office, right? And I say, hey, I'm here for my appointment. I'd like to see Dr. Kaitler. Oh, yeah, perfect. That, that little nurse there at the, at the front with the computer, she doesn't go. She doesn't go out there and she doesn't bring me back a picture. Here he is. You want to see him? There's a, there's a picture of Dr. Kaitler. Uh, no, that's not exactly what I was asking for. Oh, here's an article. Would you like to read about Dr. Kaitler? No, I want to see Dr. Kaitler. Church, we get to see the Father. This is what it means to see God in our personal lives. We get to commune with him. He's here with us right now. And that's why sometimes I'm a worship leader. You know, I'm saying, send your presence. You know, sing. And sometimes I have a hard time singing those things because I'm like, your presence is in me right now. You're right in this room. And there's one song that words it like this. Make us some, make us more of you. Oh, sorry, make us more aware of your presence. You know, my prayer is that God will help us to become more aware of his presence because he is with us. It is the glory of God. He is here. Lord, would you help us to become more aware of your presence? And we don't just see, we're not just admitted to his presence on a personal basis. We're admitted into his presence in our day-to-day lives. What about his presence in our marriage? What about his presence in our 
children's lives and how we parent. What about his presence in our working? God, church, to see God is to experience and be admitted into his presence in a day-to-day basis. Everything we touch, everywhere we go, on a personal level, on a practical level, it is the glory of God in and around us and among us. Number three, what is it to see God? To be awestruck by his glory. Amen? To be, I think people that are pure in heart see the glory of God, obviously, more than other people do. I mean, that's what we're preaching here, isn't it? Number one, we see him in the world around us. Romans 1.20, in the things that he has made. You know, when you start focusing in on Jesus, when he takes up more of your thoughts, more of what you pursue, you start to see him more and you'll see him in creation. You'll start to see him everywhere. I remember when I started playing bass guitar, right? Pick up bass. And I started to learn. I would immerse myself in listening to bass lines. I would learn uh, songs. I would practice. What happened was is I couldn't listen to music without hearing bass. That's just what I heard. It actually got quite annoying. It's like, hey, Greg, you should listen to this song. I'm like, all I hear is bass. Stop. I want to hear something else. I just, it just, that's what I tuned into. Church, pure hearts are pure hearts. They're tuned into the Father. And when you go about, you start seeing him in creation. You drive down the road. And even though you live in the prairies, it's like that, that wheat field becomes glorious. Because the Bible says that it's, it's in the things that he has made. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature in the things that have been made. We see him through those things. Number two, we see him in scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. That means that when when you read this book, no matter what scripture you're reading, you should see the Father. You should see him. It was breathed out by him. It was inspired by him. These are not man's words. We see him. We see the glory of God when we look at Jesus. John 14, 7, John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. When we read about Jesus and the things he did, we're seeing the glory of God. That's what we're doing. We're seeing it. And church, we see him in signs and wonders. Listen to this, John 2, 23. No, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. We see the glory of God in signs and wonders. And we're drawn to him. And these are the signs that should follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall, take up ser- uh, they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay the hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see him in the gospel. They're admitted into his presence. And they should be awestruck by his glory through signs and wonders. Amen? Church, this is not meant to be a seasonal a thing. It's not meant to be diminished thing. And, and so I don't, I don't know if that's you. I don't know if, you, if you're, you know, that New Year's resolution type thing. But when we look at this message today, verse, uh, Matthew 5, verse 8, the blessed are the pure in heart for they should see God. I want, us to, I want us to really own this, that we should be a people that see God everywhere in all things. 
So let's skip back a little bit. Who sees God? Let me just remind you of the purpose of this or three things to keep in mind. It's only possible through him. It's all about him so that others will see him. Who are the pure? What, what does it mean to be pure? You know, it's really funny. When I, when I started making my notes for this sermon, I got to uh, what is it to be pure. Um, Sophie, our, our old family dog, popped into my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're laughing. The people in here are. I can't even say family dog because it went from, she went from family dog to the children's dog. You know, both Michelle and I realized we didn't want any part in this dog. And that didn't take very long. And then actually it went from the children's dog down to Taylor's dog because they realized they didn't want much to do it and just became Taylor's dog. But I had this like moment in life where I decided I would spend an obscene amount of money on a dog when I don't like dogs. Right, and I had to pay an obscene amount of dog money because she was purebred. Okay, she was purebred. There was nothing else. There was no like Schnauzer. There was no like Beagle. There was no like German Shepherd. It was just like she was a purebred Yorkshire Terrier, gloriously evil in all ways. It's like this maybe is a bad example of what it means to be pure, but it, it, it is actually I was thinking about, I was like, maybe I shouldn't talk about Sophie because she was pure. There was nothing about her that wasn't Yorkshire Terrier, but she was so full of sin that she needed the redemption of Jesus. But, you know, that this is it, right? Because there's what it means to be pure is like, yeah, there's this wholeness, but then there's this this sin thing. But if we think about the purity that we walk in is like there's. That Jesus' blood, Jesus' body sacrificed on the cross purified us from all sin. And we are actually pure and holy in his eyes. Amen? So purity does have this meaning of being void of sin through the cross of Jesus Christ. But I want to put a little bit more weight on the she was fully Yorkshire Terrier. Amen. So keep in mind, again, we go back to this. We need to understand this is only possible through him. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus and our purity comes through that. There is no way you can be pure outside of the blood of Jesus. So when we say blessed are the pure in heart, we have to own that. We really have to own that cross, that blood of Jesus. But there's this other thing when I read this and studied this scripture that we we need to really grasp this wholeness. This wholeness. Kierkegaard, I don't, you know, there's an English teacher, you know, what's his name? Um, Soren Kierkegaard, you know, he's this Danish professor, uh, sorry, philosopher. He says this, he says that purity of heart is to will one thing. Okay, so that means that if you're having a conversation with something, you're not, you're not trying to manipulate or get something else. You're just having the conversation, Right? It's, it's true. It's a true conversation. There's nothing... I'm, I'm not trying to get anywhere. And let me suggest that this man... I don't even want to pronounce his last name again. It sounded so good when I was in my office. But now it's sounding really bad. Let me just suggest he is absolutely right if he means this. Purity of heart is to will the glory of God. And that's it. Whole purpose wrapped up in that mission alone. Purity of heart means 
to will one thing, and that's the glory of God. And you're saying, Greg, that guy is not in the Bible. Why don't we go to some people that are in the Bible, okay? David, Psalm 24, 24, verse 3 to 4. Who stands in the presence of God? Who ascends the mountain of the Lord? Someone with clean hands and a pure heart. Those who don't lift up their hearts, their souls, to what is false. That false, that means idols. In other words, the people that see God, the people that ascend into his presence are the people that worship him alone. There is whole purpose, no division, no other manipulation, not trying to get something. It is wholly focused and worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Does that make sense? There's no divided worship. James 4 Verses 4 to 8. Listen to this. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, there's this, there's this, this, this talk of there's, there's one purpose. Purify, purity of heart is you cannot be in the world and of the world. You need to be of Christ in the world, but of Jesus. There's, there's, no, there's no room for double-minded. Purity of heart is single purposes. There is no division. There's not Jesus and this. We don't take something else into our relationship with Jesus. Purity is wholehearted. Focus. No other gods before you. Paul in Romans 12 verse 1 says, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Bodies here is a reference to Christians as whole persons. Body and soul, not just part of you, it's everything, whole persons. Pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. And finally, Jesus himself Matthew 22, verse 37, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is the trend here, church? An undivided heart. To be pure of heart means to be free of all selfish purposes and all self-seeking motives. Purity of heart is to seek the will of one thing, and that's the glory of God. I listened to a Piper sermon a couple months ago, and it's this picture that, you know, has really stuck with me, and I'm bringing it into worship and stuff. And it's, he says, you know, if I tell my wife, you're beautiful, you're glorious, I love you, you're a picture of grace, you're the only one for me, that's, that's worship. I, I am worshiping my wife. But as soon as I'm saying it so that she'll make me more tapioca pudding, I've got a divided heart. All of a sudden, that worship became impure. You see what I'm saying? As soon as I am encouraging her and blessing her because I want something, do I really want her? Is that what it's all about? I just want to suggest this morning that a purity, to be pure, when we talk about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, we're talking about an undivided heart. A heart that is set apart for the Lord. Set apart for his kingdom. Set apart for his glory in everything we think and do. As Jesus says, you shall love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind.
can I just repeat again that we need the, we need the Lord's help in this? I can't. I cannot stress enough. When you when we're talking about this purity of heart, seeing God, we cannot stress enough the the amount we need Jesus to help us in this. There's actually no part of me that can make this happen. There's there's no part of me that can attain a purity of heart such that would see the Father. And I love Psalm 51 and. And it's, it's, a, it's something I have probably the whole passage uh, highlighted in my Bible. And I just, you hear these words, you know, David starts off in this scripture saying, you know, he, he's confessing his sin. He says, you know what, my sin is always before me and it's always against you, Father. And then he pens these words, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Father, would you help us, Jesus? God, we are living in difficult times, are we not? I was talking about this with someone the other day. It's like... As a worship leader, it can be hard because more than ever, people are just sampling worship from everywhere, right? It's like you get to hear all the best bands and this YouTube video and this and this and this. And then I come to lead worship. And I'm like, oh, man, are we do I even know what I'm doing? It's like there's just so much. There's so many options that, you know, when it comes to covid, should we wear a mask? Shouldn't we wear a mask? Should we should we as a church press in and have services? Shouldn't we? There is so many things that are trying to cause division in us. I think more than ever, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to want him and him alone. To stay true to that undivided focus on Jesus Christ and him alone. So what is the heart, church? I want us to take a look at the heart. We've talked about what it means to see the glory of God, to be immersed in the gospel and his grace and forgiveness. To be admitted into his presence in our personal lives and in the lives around us. To be awestruck by his glory in creation, in the word, in Jesus himself, in signs and wonders. Things that should earmark believers of Jesus Christ. We talked about what it means to be pure. That we've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And we need to own that sanctification. We need to own that justification, that sanctification. We need to own that cleansing, that forgiveness of Jesus. And we also need to own our own division, that own, own desire in us to be in love with things outside of Christ and be divided, but not, undi- sorry, to be undivided. And I want to just talk about the heart a little bit. What is the heart? The first thing I want to say is that the heart is where the Father is looking. Okay? The heart is where the Father is looking. This is really good news for people that have like no skills and like feel, sorry. sorry, For people that feel like they have no skills, no talents or abilities, this is really good. Because you know the Lord doesn't look at that stuff. He looks at your heart. We see it all through scripture, how he used people that just seem so unqualified. Amen? Right? And this is actually really bad news if you feel like you have major gifts. You know, like you've been like, I'm a five-talent guy. Actually, I'm a ten-talent guy. I got all the gifts. No, listen to this. 
1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Man, the Lord cares about your heart, church. This is a super big deal. This line came to me. Man, I have this... I have this, you know, this tendency to be so concerned about production rather than the product. You know, like what? Does that make sense to you? Uh, my daughter works at an establishment here in town, and there's multiple, uh, there's multiple, what do you call those? Uh, there's multiple businesses of it. Um, I won't say the name, but they're having a competition this month and next month. I think it's one or two months, okay? So who can ever, whoever can produce everything the fastest, whoever can push through the most customers as fast as they possibly can, they win a big prize. And I was like, wow. She's like, well, that puts so much stress on me. And I was like, yeah, I know. But you know what else it does? You know what's going to drop? The quality is going to drop. Yeah, you're going to push through a billion people, but I bet you complaints go up. I bet you errors go up. Bet your relationship goes down. Do you know what I'm talking about? When I was in the when I was in the business office at Fairway Ford, I got marked on how much I made per customer, and and they would you know those surveys they get after they buy a vehicle, you know that you don't want them to fill out. It's like I I was in the top five percent of people that loved Fairway Ford's business office in all of Canada, the top five percent. But that's not a good thing. When you're trying to make money. Because when you're high on favor in the business office where you normally don't have favor, you actually don't make as much money because you're probably not pressuring enough to sell and make lots of money. That's probably what's not happening, right? The father looks at the heart. He, he looks at what's inside us, not what's coming out. This is an intricate part of the heart. We need to be concerned about where our hearts are at. This is where the Father's looking. You can be the best drummer on, the most amazing bass player, the most glorious worship leader. You know, I was talking with Lisa this uh, the other day about you know bringing this this actually into our worship. It's like, why do I sing the songs, or we sing the songs we sing? You know, there's such a temptation as a worship leader to sing the most popular songs because they're going to garner a response, right? It's like, is that pure worship? Is my heart pure and leading out of that motivation? What is my motivation? What's coming out of my heart? The heart is where the Father's looking. B, the heart is what you are. Man. Man. When we, when you read the, the word heart in this scripture, you should be thinking of everything. Like, it's all of me. I got Matt's permission to use him in illustration this morning. Matt, Matt and I have been running uh, for a number of years, quite a few years. And, uh, you know, when you look at Matt, he's got the muscles, eh? eh? Like, this guy's like, boo. He makes me look like a beanpole. And when we stand... I won't go any further than that. But Matt has got the muscles. I actually don't know anybody who has more desire than Matt. When Matt sets goals, he sets goals. And I look at him, I'm like, you're crazy. But this guy is so dedicated. His desire is spot on when it comes to running and fitness. Man, he's got the bones. I mean, his bones are healthy. 
He's got the gear. When we talk about, you know, we're runners. We talk about the gear. He got new runners. I mean, he has what it takes. But all of a sudden, I go on holidays in September, and I hear that he preaches this message. I come back, and he texts me. He's like, Greg, I can't even run a mile. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I can't even run a mile. I'm like, what are you talking about? Dude, we run tons of miles. He's like, something happened. I can't even run one mile. We all know how that played out. But something happened in Matt's heart where a a portion of it got clogged in a major percentage. It's not funny. It's not a joke. And that heart... And it didn't, it didn't matter what he had on. It didn't matter how his desire was. It didn't matter how prepared he was and focused on accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish. This thing got wrecked. Everything stops. Matthew 15 verse 18 to 19 says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Church, the heart is what you are. It's what you say. It's what you think, evil thoughts. It's your actions, murder. It's your purity, adultery, sexual immorality. It's your desires, theft. It's your integrity, false witness. It's your relationships, slander. Purity of heart is everything. And God's called us to be selfless and undivided in what we talk about. Undivided in how we think. Undivided in our actions. Undivided in our purity. Undivided in our desires. Undivided in our integrity. Undivided in our relationships. This is a hallmark of those who see God. Who don't will. Who can talk and have a relationship with others. And are willing one thing. The glory of God. What comes out is directly connected to your heart and it will affect how you see God, how God is manifested in your life. It just will. God is looking for undivided heart in him and through the power of him, his Holy Spirit in you. There's just one other thing I just want to quickly mention when it comes to a pure heart. I want to ask you, what, what do you think of yourself? How do you see yourself in the eyes of the Lord and those around you? I'll stop, I'll stop short of saying, saying this is prophetic, but I, it's something that hasn't left me. You know that being impure in how you think of yourself affects the glory of God. It just does. You have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed. He has adopted you as his son and his daughter. And when you think less of yourself, okay, when you think down about yourself, what happens? Man, we stop doing brave things for the Lord, don't we? Hmm? We stop sharing scriptures we think maybe be for other people. Having relationships with people we're too scared to when God's called us to. Leading worship, playing piano, preaching a message, getting a new job. Man, the way we think about ourselves in a holy Christ manner affects how we see God. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to emphasize this morning, church. Who has Christ made you to be? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
and our thoughts, our actions, those are all big ones. You know, we think about those ones often, but how much do we think about how much that affects us and who we see ourselves to be in through the eyes of Christ? Anyways, it's a challenge for you this morning. Thirdly, what's it, what is your heart? Your heart carries your mission. You know what's on people's heart, right? Because it comes out. Don't you? You just know. You just know the passion of someone's heart because it comes out. You just see it. It's natural. Right? Right? People that are in love with hockey. It just comes out. And I'm not saying that's a sin. I'm just trying to illustrate a point here. Okay? People that are in love with molecular you know, constructions and stuff, it just comes out of them. It goes over my head, you know, but it's in them. I, I had put in this, like, this thing. I'm trying to illustrate this, like, what's in your heart comes out. Um, because I really think, like, the purity of heart is, is, is so connected. To, I think it's, like, the same. Purity of heart and seeing God, those are so connected. I had wrote on, in my notes, like, blessed are these, you know, changing the scripture to make it more understandable. Blessed are the Seattle Seahawks, for they shall win the Super Bowl. But they lost yesterday. They totally messed it up. Okay, so let's, let's use some other examples. Blessed are the U of M students, for they shall be doctors. Blessed are the U of M students, for they shall be teachers. Blessed are when you invest your heart, an undivided heart in, the God, in God, you will see God. It comes out. Blessed are the thieves, for they shall inherit a jail sentence. Am I making myself clear? Should I expect to see God if my heart doesn't carry that mission? Right? A pure heart longs to see God in all things. Blessed are the pure in heart. To be pure in heart, to be pure in heart means to seek after the things that God sees and wants for us. It's to seek the glory of God. Purity of heart is to will one thing. An undivided heart. It carries the plans of Jesus against all selfish motives. It is absolutely impossible without God. It is absolutely about, absolutely only about God. And it is for others to see. Why do I say it's for others to see? You know, at this, the Beatitudes are this like moralistically perfect discipleship program, aren't they? It's like God, Jesus spells this out for you. And then right after that, he goes and he talks about salt and light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill it cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Church, this thing about purity of heart and seeing God is so that others will see that our lives will be lived for the glory of the kingdom. So in closing, we're, we're entering this prayer and fasting time and that we've given some, leadership has given some priorities and objective, objectives to pray through. But I just want to invite us, just in closing, uh, I want to invite us into three things to pray for um, as we enter this, this prayer and fasting. Number one, is my heart on mission for God's glory alone? Is my heart on mission for God's glory alone? These aren't the easiest questions to ask. Number two, 
invite us to ask and pray through, are there specific areas of my heart that are divided? And number three, in what ways are you asking me to respond? That's probably the hardest one, right? It's, it's really one thing to say, Lord, where, am I heart, where is my heart divided? God, is, am I living for you and you alone? But how are you asking me to respond is a whole other thing. So can we pray through those as a church? I, church, I really feel like God, I, I, sorry, I don't feel, I know God wants us to see his glory. He's after his glory. He wants to see it in and through Calvary and through our homes in 2021. And I want to invite us to pray and see God come powerfully in and through us. Amen. Amen. Let me pray and the team's going to come up and worship with us one more time. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. God, I thank you for um, just the blessing of being your son. And God, the invitation to be in your presence and to walk in your presence. God, would you manifest your glory in and through us? Lord, would you cause our hearts, Lord Jesus, to exalt your name and your name alone? By the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, by your grace and your mercy. May you help us, Lord Jesus. God, reveal to us, God, where we may have undivided hearts. God, reveal to us how you've called us to respond. God, we're hungry for you. We want you, Lord Jesus. You and you alone. Amen.